This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Rant. Politi, Fonseca, and joining us again, Pat Lanny, fresh off a baby, apparently discovered that not much for a new father to do other than change diapers and stare at her. What are you doing, Pat? Why are you back so soon? What happened? Oh, that's that's it. Changing that's it. diapers like Rutgers changes quarterbacks. Whoa, look at that. Like you've been that sitting one. there. You've been sitting yeah, there. That all week. You've been she's been storing it up, sitting there, staring at staring at the crib. And that's good. A good line. How how is Juliet? Juliet is doing amazing. We just went to the pediatrician today and had great weight gain. So oh. I think uh, uh Jay Butler would be proud of that progress in the in the nursery. Outstanding. Good for you. All right. So let's talk some Rutgers football. Ohio State, you missed a great trip to Columbus, 49 to 10 uh, loss. Rutgers actually led in the game. Good news, bad news, I guess. Still not on the same planet with that team. We knew that. We knew that going in. They did a better job against the pass than I thought they would. But, the, you know, then Ohio State's backup running back looks like Archie Griffin. Um, so tell me, Fonseca, you watched it. Is there anything else we have to talk about about this or can we just move on? I got to be honest. I didn't watch the whole thing. Like I usually do. I I tapped out for the most part. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Rutgers. We do know that Rutgers could win the first four minutes of a game against Ohio state. They just have to figure out how to win the rest of the 56 minutes, which might be a little harder. The the most exciting, obviously. And, and was, was at the end uh, when, when uh, the Jason, uh, I mean, the the Ryan day, almost the Jason day, he plays golf, the Ryan day fireworks, which is, which was something to watch. I just, I mean, it, it's got, it, it's funny. Of course, that's got all the national attention. Uh, our our friends at the Yahoo podcast were talking about it. Uh, they both said two coaches protecting their players. And I, I believe Ryan Day, when he says that his punter did that on his own, kid from Australia probably had no idea that it was against uh, our, our, uh, our rules of, of sportsmanship to, to fake a punt up 39 points. And I also believe Greg Shannon, when he, when he said he was trying to avoid, in melee, 
I'm watching it. I'm not sure I believe both of them when they say they're pals. I, I you know, I just seemed like that was a little awkward. Um, what did you see on TV, Pat, when you were watching this at home? Was 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 there something we missed watching it live? No, I, I my immediate reaction was a lot of what you guys covered. The announcers were flabbergasted at what was going on. Yeah. Uh, just just they kind of gl- gl- uh, glazed over it a lot. But obviously, uh, they the, the cameras picked it up really well. So if you went back, I'm sure Brian did some lip reading in yeah. his uh, review. The lip reading, uh, and I don't know what you saw, Brian, but it looked like uh, there were some choice words dropped. I don't know exactly what the choice words were in reference to, but that that that, that one lip motion certainly tip, tipped off that perhaps they weren't uh, just exchanging pleasantries there. Yeah, it, it was hard to read exactly what they were saying. I saw some people were disappointed. I didn't do the full on investigation as usual, but they were talking sideways. So you look yeah. at the size of their mouths, it's hard to really understand. Uh, the Lantern student media at Ohio State had a video of the handshake after the game with unbelievably good audio. I don't know how they did it, but you could hear Ryan Day saying, I apologize for that. I'm protecting my players. You're protecting your players. And uh, Greg said something to the effect of, you got it or whatever. So I believe them when they say that in the post-game press conference. Now, if, if you'll allow me, Steve, on my thoughts on this sportsmanship mm-hmm. thing. One, if Rutgers doesn't want the punter to run 22 yards on fourth down, don't try to block the punt. Right. That was, yeah, that was not smart. Yeah. I, I think you kind of reap what you sow there. Aaron Cruikshank, I think you had said this in the press box. He probably has, hasn't tackled somebody since high school. And maybe he's upset. They're losing by 39 points. He sees a kid, uh, a punter, a chance to hit him. He hits him maybe two steps out of bounds. I don't think, I mean, obviously it was a bad hit. He shouldn't have hit him. He got ejected correctly. I can't blame him for hitting him either, frankly. I mean, he's 160 pounds, too. I mean, like, well, let's, you know, I mean, a lot of crazy things happen. Uh, that was a nice the, hit for a welterweight, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was impressive. That was a little vengeance. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just think the whole, the whole, the, the, the outrage, you mentioned the Yahoo podcast, they touched on this, the outrage from both sides, for both fan bases trying to outclass each other. Like, oh, it's not classy to run on a fourth down. Oh, it's yeah. not classy to hit. Like, who cares? Like, I don't yeah. fault either right. of them for doing it. And frankly, again, I think you said this, the most fun part of the game was that. That was the most right. exciting part of the game aside yeah. from Ryan, Sean Ryan's touchdown. So uh, I think it added some juice to an otherwise relatively boring game. Right. And it allowed us to it allowed us to have fun and, and speculate which one of if they did come to blows, you know, when, when Greg Shiano's point, number one, when he's pointing with the Paulie Walnuts point. And if you don't know what that means, Google Paulie Walnuts point, of course, from the Sopranos. Uh, my first my first thought was, I wonder if Greg Shiano has a pinky ring in his co- in his collection and is somewhere in like a jewelry box. Could he put the pinky ring on to complete that look? Number one. Number two, if it was a fight. I, I mean, first round TKO for for our man for our, our man Shiano against against Ryan Day. I mean, there's just no, uh, there's just no. I don't care. You know, he's 13 years older. I don't care about any of that. Uh, I I think that. Uh, I, tell me if you tell me if you agree. Have you ever seen Ryan Day play tennis? Why would I have seen Ryan? Okay, Day this play was tennis? A, this was a ESPN 30 for 30, and it was like an intro to his whole thing, his competitiveness and things like this. And this guy's playing tennis like it was. Like he was going ten rounds, you know. Oh, so and you think like, there's a chance? That this I, I think there's a chance. I mean, listen, mm. I, Chiano's tough. You got the poly walnuts point down exactly right, pinky ring and all. But Ryan Day, he's he's a tough guy too. I'm mm. not gonna. I, I I'm not sure it's a first rounder. Oof. Break that tie. So I disagree. I disagree. Yeah. I, I just can't see a guy with Ryan Day's facial hair winning a fight against anybody. I just oh, can't wow. take him seriously when I look like that. That's um, tough. I think Greg. I think Greg would win. I, th- I agree with. 
the vast majority. I, I think Greg's a little bit older, a little bit shorter, yeah. but I think the Jersey juice uh, puts him over the top. Yeah. And I think, and I'm going to go one step further here because this podcast is all about takes that, you know, but I think Greg, I would take him in a fight against most of the big 10 coaches I, at this point, and especially now that Paul Christ is now that Paul Chris is out of Wisconsin. He might've been my number one draft pick. You get rid of him. I mean, Harbaugh, I think Harbaugh would fight dirty. I would be a little concerned about that fight. Uh, Loxley. I mean, he seems like a, you know, he seems like a brawler, but otherwise I don't see a lot of guys that I'm, you, I'm like, who am I missing? You, you got Tucker, a name? Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker would be, he would be tough. Be yeah. a tough one. That'd be, That'd a, be tough a tough one. one. He looks like he, he looks like he could kick your ass. Yeah. But you know, forget most BJ would just be talking the whole time. He'd oh, be PJ. like that yappy little, like yappy little dog. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be last, but he'd be last in the draft pick. You put up with the 14 coaches out there. I mean, I would take, I would take Kirk Ferentz in a fight before PJ. <laughs> no, like, you come on, come on. I would, yes, I would. Yes, I would. I will. I would totally. That guy, that guy is mean. You look at him. Come on. He, 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 he would. Yeah, totally. I, I was I would agree with you in pretty much everything until that point. I think Mike Loxley is like hands down first easiest number first one pick of all. I would yeah. not mess with that guy in any sense. But, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I do I do think Greg is definitely top half, upper half of the Big Ten. Upper half. All right, I'm glad good we ranking. covered that. Good good, good ranking. ranking. I'll I'll look forward to your slideshow on that next week. All right. Um, well, I think we should just move on. I, I don't know. There's a lot to really gain by by, by talking a lot about Ohio State, especially with Nebraska now. Nebraska, Indiana, I think we can all agree that that is the season that that's going to tell us what the season's going to be. Uh, if, if Rutgers can beat Nebraska and Indiana five wins, then they have five games to win the final game. Uh, they'll be an under underdog in every one of those games, but they'll have a chance at least to keep the fans engaged, to get to a bowl game again, to earn it exp- with everyone on the field, not just by academics. Uh, both these teams are beatable. And they played this weekend, so it was interesting. We were watching a little bit of it. I guess, I guess Nebraska just are figuring things out at the right time. Is that is that an accurate statement, Brian? I mean, you think that this, you know, after all the coaching nonsense, perhaps, you know, they've they've kind of got something going. I mean, they beat Indiana. That's not exactly the world beaters. Oh yeah, beat. but they lost to. I mean, lost to Georgia Southern, right? I mean, it's not. It's fair. It's fair. And they, they also had a, you know, they had a bye week going into that game. They had some okay. time to uh, Bill Bush, the former uh, Chris Ash assistant at Rutgers had a full two weeks to kind of implement his defense as the new DC yep. there. A good coach too, by the way, a good coach. Yes. One of the better Chris Ash coaches, a rare oh, good yeah. coach that Chris Ash yep. hired at Rutgers. Yes. Uh, and I guess, I guess we'll see a real test on, on Friday. I think this is obviously a must win for Rutgers. I agree with you with completely on the fact that they need this win to stay on the path to a bowl game. There are really only three winnable games left, in my view. Uh, this game, Indiana and Michigan State, which looks like an absolute dumpster fire. Um, yeah. So if you lose this game, I don't, I don't think six wins is reasonable. So uh, yeah, a lot riding on this Friday night game. Uh, I, I guess the one thing that can that have to continue to concern you, even as bad as Nebraska has been defensively, uh, you just can't count on this Rutgers offense um, to do much. You know, Evan Simon, uh, you know, he, two more turnovers. And that's uh, obviously we, we know that this offense does not have uh, that level of, of you can't make up for mistakes. Uh, he made a couple of nice throws, though. I will say that. Uh, but it, we're seeing flashes, but not enough of them. Noah Vedral, he was out there, but he doesn't seem like he can throw the ball, which seems weird. Why would you have him out there if you can't throw the ball? I, you know, I doubt Gavin Wimsett's going to be back. I mean, what? what's a reasonable level uh, of expectation for this offense right now, Pat? You can mean 
it's, it's floundering. Yeah. It's absolutely floundering. I, I, it's, it's amazing. If you go, if you think back to like the podcast we recorded during training camp and what we would have thought of Evan Simon at that point and see where he is now yeah. as, as the guy that Rutgers is relying on, I think he's actually progressed decently well um, compared to training camp, but you're right. It's, it's a floundering offense that, that looks lifeless and Nebraska hit some big plays in that Indiana game and they have some big play potential. And if it gets into one of those games where Nebraska's, you know, hitting quick scores, Rutgers is in big, big trouble. Right. I, I would love to, and I, I think, I think you're going to see it. I, I, I've got no information, but I would love to see uh, Greg Channel pull a page from Channel 1.0 and, and just turn this into Sam Brown's offense. Make him your, make your, him your Ray Rice. I just think that he is a special talent when you, when you saw the way he was running the ball against Ohio state. And this is something you, I think you mentioned in your film review, uh, fun cycle. And when they pulled him out on third and fourth down late in that game, it's like, what, what are you doing? I mean, just, I get it. You want to be creative. You get a lot of guys to use. It's hard to manage a running back room. You, you want to, they all do different things is the, the quote you keep on. Here's the one thing this guy does gain five yards, <laughs> like gain six yards. I mean, that's that. I think that, that if they, if they give him, 25 carries in this game. I think Brookers has a much better chance of winning. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. I think he's been the best pure running back as far as running between the tackles. He runs hard. He runs physical. He always gets yards after the, after contact. He has had the best season so far of the Rutgers running backs, though, obviously not a huge bar to clear. Uh, Rutgers running backs have really floundered to use Pat's word since that first game against Boston college and Wagner, I guess Nebraska's defense is not great. It's defensive front is not very good either. So this could be a chance for that offensive line that struggled so much against Iowa. And it was a bit better against Ohio state, to be fair, they can really get back in that mode and kind of push the, the Nebraska defensive front forward. And again, given what we just said about the quarterback situation, they probably have to, because I don't know if Evan Simon is able to win, you know, a shootout. I just, it's hard for me to picture that happening. Yeah. And I, yeah, you mentioned that about Simon too. I mean, that's a great point. What you said, Pat, it's just like it's the idea that we would have been, it been five weeks into this and he would be the guy. He'd be the only option. It's just kind of, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, just, just to add to that, first of all, you are so far ahead on Sam Brown than anyone else. So congratulations on that, Steve. Like, you, like you, once you, every three or four years, you, I, you yep. nailed that. Yep. So kudos to you is that if you do that Ray Rice offense and you're you're basically saying we're going to hand the ball off to Sam Brown, you know, 30 times a game, that's fine. I think it's a great idea, but I think it takes away from everything that Sean Gleason was brought in to do and be this innovator and and have this spread high octane offense. I'm not saying that what your suggestion is 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 a bad idea. I actually think it's a pretty good idea given where we're at, but but you can still Rutgers, innovate. Rutgers is cycling backwards. Yeah, I hear you, but you can still do some of those things. Like I think that the the, the trick play he called earlier in that game when Krushank takes takes the, the pitch and throws the pass to Jayong, and that scores on just about any other team they play. But they're playing Ohio State, and, and of course the linebackers got you know whatever lateral speed. That's just NFL, and he gets there in time to just snuff it after six yard gain. I still think there's a way you can be creative and 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 make the passing game, uh, you know, throw in the middle of the field, do some things that they're not doing now and still make the, make the focal point of it. The right. And I, and then one thing I will say, I tell me that I think this, this offensive line is better at run blocking than pass blocking. At least that's what we say. So. Fair. Here's a, I know we got this question coming up, but isn't that what, exactly what you see on Sundays with the Giants, Steve? They've catered this <laughs> offense to like, 
they finally can get Saquon going again. And right, they're going to kill Saquon Barkley. Yeah, about that later. Yeah, right. yeah, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's no question. It was like watching. Yeah, they and when they eventually just didn't have any quarterbacks at all, the Giants, and they still won the game. So hey, that's great news. All right, let's dive into true or false, fellas. And this is great. So I'm at, I'm on the plane coming back from Columbus, and there's a Rutgers fan. It's a really rocky flight. We're coming in the, the hurricane winds in Newark, and you know you, you always had that moment with the fellow passengers when you land. You're like, oh, that <laughs> was different. So I look behind me. And there's a Rutgers fan who I talked to in the terminal, and you say to him, I'm like, how, you know, how about that bumpy flight? And he goes, yeah, you should mention that true or false. I'm like, wow, this is a guy who listens to the podcast. So true or false was that was that a bumpiest flight I've been on in a while? True. Anyway, all right. On our flight back, I, I was on the flight back with uh, Chris Eisman of the Bergen Record, and yeah. I was not awake for this. I slept through the flight, but I was told that we were told by the crew that we were going to go undergo extreme turbulence uh, upon arriving near Newark, which if you ask me, you could really could just say turbulence. I think telling people you have extreme turbulence probably sends off the alarms right. in everyone's head. Yeah, no, there's no question. It gets people, yeah, superb. So superb. a good trip, a good trip to miss, you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't even doesn't take effect, the airport Marriott bar. Uh, all right, true or false, uh, Aaron Kruchank deserved, deserved to be suspended for his late hit against Ohio State. One second, true or false? False. That false jersey juice, baby. False. Come on. This is it was silly. True or false, Gavin Wimsett will be back for Nebraska. Pat, you go first this time. False. Okay. Brian. He was in a boot in on the sideline, barring some 3D chess, voodoo, magic, no. giant yeah. thinking from Greg Schiano. I'm gonna say false. That's why I'm gonna say true. I think the boot, the boot was meant to get us off get us off the scent here why else would you wear a boot out there he can walk excuse my dogs of course they're going crazy true or false penalties is not a is a problem for this team that we're not talking enough about fonseca true or false true yeah pat true another what was it 10 for 60 yards i mean eight for uh, 10 for 61 yeah not good true or false sean ryan is now this team's best wide receiver brian true or false true and i think by considerable margin yeah all right, Pat. True in terms of what a wide receiver is. Crookshank's still more valuable. Okay, interesting. I think Johnny Langan might you get a vote too, but I'm going to go with Ryan for, at this moment. Uh, true or false? The MVP of this team is Adam Corsack again. Brian, true or false? False. I can't get myself to go through this again. <laughs> Pat, true or false? False, Johnny Langan, like you said, like you said. I know it is, but I, they do not score that first touchdown if not for that great, if that never another perfect. And that's another thing that happened for the Giants. A great punt gets the returner backpedaling and he muffs the punt. Just are are we are we going to give Corsair credit for that? Or are we going to blame the Ohio State punt returner for for muffing the punt? I mean, yeah, but he still hit. It was just a great punt. Got caught. I mean, you have to give half and half, right? Uh, I can give half and half. seven points okay. for I'm a punt area. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to give Corsair credit. Come on. Uh, true or false? Ohio. <laughs> I don't know why I put this on there. True or false? The Ohio State band let down America with its tribute to Shrek. Brian, true or false? I mean, it, there's no answer but true. Absolutely true. Oh, come on. True. Suck. It was beautiful. True. It was wonderful. I cried. I shed a tear. They had Shrek costumes. Can you imagine that? A couple more. True or false? Wisconsin fired Paul Christ too soon. Brian, true or false? This is tough. Um, I'll say false. Pat? True. Wow. Okay. True. Uh, I'm going to go true, although this one seemed really fast. I don't know. Uh, and finally, 
John Glenn flew 149 combat missions in World War II and the Korean War, orbited the Earth more than 100 times, served 24 years in the Senate, and is, by any definition, a great American. Well, Pat, why don't you go first? True or false? How would you generally feel about that? Uh, I think if he got to 105 orbits, that maybe would have... Uh... At that level, but uh, I'll say true yeah, and maybe kick this over been... to Brian. Yeah, what do you think, Brian? True or false? So we in America crave excellence, correct? We don't go for second place or third place. Oh, for crying out loud! We don't. We don't. Why are we crediting a guy for going to space when he wasn't the first guy to go to the moon? Right. Why are we crediting a guy to going to Senate when he wasn't the president? Yeah. Yeah. You know okay. what? What is this? A guy gets a plaque in the airport, and all of a sudden he's a great American. I'm gonna go false. Yeah, Although right. I will say, when I took that sweet photo with him at the airport, we kissed and made up. We're boys that's now, good. John Glenn. You're okay. Yeah, the John Glenn family. Yeah. All right. That's great. All right. Uh, do we have to recap any of these? Um, the penalties thing. I, I think Greg hasn't talked a lot about it. I, I mean, what did what is that? Do we know any? Is there is there a a, a common thread here with the penalties that that we're seeing? Is it just sloppiness? What's, what's how about the, the how about the uh, penalty on the kickoff? That was yeah. What, what was that? Was that? What was that? He just he just ran up and the just like decided like, not to kick it. I, I, I don't think I ever see. I just assumed the ball blew off the tee, but it, it didn't. It, Correct. It, it didn't. It didn't blow off the tee. I also thought the same thing. Uh, they got called for offsides. I think right. I don't know. I don't know if this was some new fang fangle trick play that I I have no. Maybe the kicker was told to kick it offsides, yeah. and then I, I don't know. It was very confusing. But uh, Greg has mentioned in, earlier in the season that uh, his common mantra that he doesn't want to be the least penalized team in the country because yeah. that shows they're not being aggressive. Obviously they're being, if that's, if that's the metric, they're being the most aggressive team in the country. Uh, I do think a lot of it is sloppiness and uh, you know, avoidable and some of it, you know, the, the Deion Jennings pass interference against uh, Ohio state, you know, they they were like third and goal. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? That was that, a killer. That, yeah, that was a killer. I don't know if, if uh, that's probably a 50, 50 flag. Maybe they're getting a bit unlucky in those 50, 50 calls, but that's not enough to offset you know, being 17th nationally, most penalties, it's an obvious issue. And uh, yeah, probably discipline, discipline, sloppiness, a combination of all those. Yeah, that was the one. And that was the moment and the, uh, on the, and the, the one promising moment I thought, one of the promising moments in that game was, was that they had that really good goal line stand. They stopped them a couple of times, then they get the penalty and they stop them three more times. And you're like, oh, this is, you know, this is, uh, this is pretty encouraging. But then, I mean, you know, it's Ohio State. They bang it right in on fourth down, and that's the end of that. So I, th- I thought that that stand had a very interesting thing in that it showed the starting linebackers, both each of them made a big play. Tyron Powell ran like from the center of the field to the sideline, made a great play on CJ Stroud. Deion Jennings made a similar play. And then on the touchdown, you see how the depth that linebacker is killing them because Andrew Vance, who's a walk on linebacker, gets caught on a block, and then Mayan Williams gets wide open yeah. into the end zone, yeah. doesn't get touched. So that's kind of the dichotomy there between how good the starting linebackers are and how, how poor an experience, whatever word you want to use for, for the depth behind them. And uh, other things. Uh, yeah. Wim said, I, I'm, I'm half kidding about it, but it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me if he's back just because I didn't think the injury was, you know, all that didn't look all that serious. I get it. The boot it's his ankle. They don't want to risk further injury. And certainly they want him available for Indiana, but if they're going to have no out there just to, to run the ball, I mean, it just, you might as well, you know, you might as well have him out there. Right. So. Here's another, here's another, now that brings up a really okay. good point. Why was Wimsit the week before a game time decision and then didn't dress this week? Mm. So, so we're saying that his injury progressed even further in the second week than the first week, which makes no sense. That's right. Good point. 
you're sniffing this out. Uh, I think some, we're on to something here. Hopefully, um, whoever the coach of North Nebraska, Mickey, uh, doesn't listen to our our podcast. Anything else? Well, also, I, I think it's fascinating that Wisconsin, the picture of stability is is and. Again, not to be a Dan Wetzel fanboy, but Dan Wetzel had a great column for Yahoo today about this, about how the, you know the Big Ten is becoming the SEC and the and these moves, and it really is. I mean, the guy has three Big Ten West titles. I mean, the record is you know seven hundred winning percentage. I mean, I, it's it just does speak to the you know the fact that no one is settling for once no one's settling for anything close to average these days. I mean, two bad games and the guy's out. Wow. Yeah, and it's a trend across college football. It's the yeah. fifth Power Five coach that's fired in five weeks, and I mean the buyouts that these guys are getting are, are insane. And I'm Brian Harson's probably going to join them. The coach at Auburn, he's going to make 15 million a year getting fired. It's right. just the way it is now. <clears throat> the, the early signing period has pushed everything back. Guys don't want to fire coaches in December because if you do that, you lose your entire recruiting class essentially. Um, so they want to do that, and with everyone else doing it, you got to keep up. And I do think Wisconsin, partly Jim Leonard, who's replacing him, is seen as like the successor, the, the next guy. And there's probably some part of it where Wisconsin wants to ensure that they keep him and don't let him get hired by Nebraska, say, or whoever else opens up in the cycle. But yes, I was stunned at that news last night. It was insane that a guy, like you said, three Big Ten West titles, the picture of stability in the West, guy has one bad year. And admittedly, a year the Wisconsin should run away with the Big Ten West. And they just can't him right away. So, um, yeah, it's crazy went, where the sport is going. He went nine and four. Went nine and four last year. He went nine and four at Rutgers. Holy cow! The Big Ten, the statues. All right, good job, guys. Let's dive into uh, our insider questions. Thanks for all of your questions. Again, it's getting chippy in there. That's the word I. Uh, it's the word I used. Uh, I was texting my wife at my daughter's soccer game on on Sunday. She, How's the game? I said, it's a little chippy. And she goes, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> little, little chippy, getting a little, you know, tense, physical. That's a good word, right? You know, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yeah. It's chippy. Okay. It's perfect. Right. Little, little chippy in little chippy in the comments. Uh, people are, you know, kind of uh, not upset, but upset's the right word. There's just a lot of uh, angry questions. All right. Frustrated. Frustrated. There's the word I'm looking for. Chippy, frustrated. All right. Uh, lots of questions about the quarterbacks, not just the current state of the quarter, this team, but the overall state. And I think we should address them. Uh, Peter uh, from Palm City, Florida. How badly has Shiano mismanaged the quarterback room, putting all of your eggs in one basket? And that player is so fragile that he goes from game time decision to not dressed and wearing a boot. All the while, Greg Shiano says he's progressing. Um, you know, an another one about that. My question is the quarterback room. It's three years into Shiano Gleason regime. Shouldn't we hold the coaching staff accountable for the lack of improvement at the quarterback position? I think it's a wonderful point. Who wants to take it first? I mean, what do you think? So my thought on this is they got the quarterback that thought they was the quarterback. Gavin Wimsett, right? In theory, he was on a trajectory to have the opportunity to eventually take the role. You could argue that maybe he should have progressed more in that first year. He was here those three months of the season. He came early. That's why he came early. But again, you can't say that, oh, he's a high school kid. kid. He's, too early. he's too young to be ready. And then turn around and complain he's not ready yet as a true freshman, right? It's not the coaching staff's fault. Actually, maybe it is. You could argue it's their fault that he got hurt. Maybe you shouldn't be running a design run with Gavin Wimsett on a third and 10 against Temple. Fair enough. But the fact that the kid gets hurt, the fact their other starter, Noah Vedral, gets hurt, really dampens the quarterback room. I don't think you can really prepare for that ahead of time. I don't think you can really. What's the solution? Having a fourth scholarship quarterback that could potentially play? That's not realistic in these days. Um, yeah, I just think they got bitten by, by bad injury luck, and that's kind of derailed this entire situation. 
But they're, yeah, but the fact they haven't recruited one. Experience the Heldred's Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldritz lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldritz.com. The last, in the last cycle is, it is, it, I mean, to Peter's point, they have put all the eggs in his basket. And, and we don't know, I guess that's my problem. We don't know if Gavin Wimsett's the guy yet. We don't know if he, I mean, obviously, we know he's got the physical tools totally, but we don't know if he can read a defense and, and make a split second decision. And I think that's what's holding him back. At least, uh, you know, he's not going to get a lot of reps as much, many reps as maybe we thought. There's a lot of football left. What do you think, Pat? I just think that any team that's playing in this physical sports and is down to their third string quarterback is going to find themselves in this situation. I'm not going to blame Shiano and Gleason for failing everybody in this quarterback room. I think it's more a product of what Brian said, the injuries directing what's going on. And that, that that's part one. Part two is we've seen good, bad, and ugly from every single quarterback, right? Yep. No matter who it, who it is. So on the flip side, they just haven't had that production from anybody. So that could be the glaring, you know, X mark on, on the resume. I will say, and I had a, I had a conversation because I don't understand recruiting as, as well as, of course, Todrick Hunt, who is one of the experts in the nation. So I called up Todrick to talk about it and, and just asked him what he thought about this question. And he did point out how difficult it is to recruit at that position. I mean, no one wants to sit. No one wants to be behind anybody anymore. So when you make a when you bring in a guy like Gavin Wimsett, a four star from Kentucky, and then bring him in a year early, bring him in during his high school. Essentially, he's still 18. You got to remember that. Uh, that does signal to any other good player that that you've identified him as your guy. It makes it much harder to recruit at that position and certainly giving a scholarship to someone who, you know, isn't at that level or they don't think they can play in the Big Ten is a waste of a scholarship. I will say this, like no matter what happens here, and I'm going to write this, I think later in, later in the season when we get a better picture of it, they can't go into they can't go in the next year without having it. They, they have to know who the guy is going into the next year. And if that means going to the portal and bringing in a proven player, then they have to do that. They can't, they can't come into a season guessing at that position again. Right. Well, the thing is, if Noah Vedra will be gone after this year, right? So, in well, theory, dude, he, I mean, again, he, you think, but he, he hasn't played four games yet. Yes, you will. You would assume he would be, but I yeah. don't think he has another retro year. I, I don't think he has another he year. I, I, okay. I don't think so. No, I think he retro is for sure at uh, UCF. Um, so he's gone after this year. I, I, I'm, I could be wrong. I'm almost 99% sure he's gone after this year. So you have two quarterbacks, scholarship quarterbacks. You're going to have to, and they're not getting a high school quarterback from the looks of it. So you're going to have to go in the portal. The, the issue they run into there is if you're going to get a kid out of the portal, he's got to be a starter. You're going to get a kid out of the portal to be a backup. If you get a kid out of the portal to start for you, where does that put Gavin Wimps at? Does that make him want to transfer? Are you going to want, you know, the best quarterback prospect you've gotten in a decade to transfer before he's ever really able to, you know, meet, uh, get a real chance at meeting those expectations. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult balance, this quarterback deal. And, you know, also that decision, we're assuming Rutgers will even have the chance of recruiting a kid who is 
you know, a big 10 starting caliber quarterback out of the portal. So there's a lot of question marks there. Um, I think the idea kid from, I mean, you can find somebody. There's, I, there's, I'm not convinced Kurt Warner's kid is well, somebody though. He's just, he's just the only one we've seen live. I mean, and, and look, yeah. Novedro would sound tremendous out of the portal. And then he came here and look, he, he was not he's, bad. Yeah. He's not bad, but he's the guy that everyone wants to improve over. So can you get a player that's better than Novedro out of the portal? That's another question that right. people assume Wait. maybe yes, but we don't know. Didn't oh, here's another one to answer your question. See, Texas has the guy Ewers, right? And then they get Arch Manning. How does that work? Yeah, right. Arch, Arch Manning's going to sit behind him. Yeah, Arch Manning, Arch Manning and uh, Quinn Ewers, whoever sits behind, is going to get a nice little salary to be the backup a big, quarterback. A big pile of money. That's how that works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> don't yes. get me don't get me started on that topic of course <laughs> oh oh you can get me started we'll get to that in a minute all right some more questions big picture if fans expect an Ohio State level team we will always be let down of course uh, I uh, I always said that Iowa should be the Rutgers model at least eight wins a year occasional Big Ten championship team New Year's Bowls etc little to new drama off the field agree or disagree um, sure I was one of them. I, I Michigan State. I, I be, yeah, that's that's a good model. Nor hey, Northwestern. I know it's not a good year this year, but pretty good model. Yeah. The, the Iowa model is a little tough because Iowa plays in the Big Ten West, obviously, which is a little easier than the Big Ten East. That'll be eased once they get rid of divisions. Maybe by next season. Definitely by two in two years from now. Um, but yeah, I think those are fair, you know, models to to to. I think Northwestern might be the best one. A team that every once in a while you have a, a coach who identifies with the program that creates a steady model that every once in a while has that one magical division winning year. All right. Diving into some more questions. Is the running back rotation going to look like a Ferris wheel when Aaron Young comes back? Uh, he goes on to point out all the quarterback changing has not been good personnel. Nebraska and Michigan uh, was pulling Sam Brown to run Langan and Wildcat, then Manangai twice Wildcat on third and four. And fourth into a fireball offense uh, for Sean Gleason. I don't know if I'd go that far. That's a great question. I mean, what are they going to do if they, when they get Aaron Young back? You would think you would have thought before the season started, if Aaron Young came back, it would be Sam Brown, who would be the guy who they redshirt. They're not going to can't redshirt him now. And certainly the fans would lose their nuts. I mean, what do you think? I don't even know. Aaron Young, he has that, he has that pass catching ability, which I think has, has been lacking a little bit uh, from the Rutgers backfield. But I, I don't know. I don't know that he steps in right away and it's his job. I don't think that's true. I think he'll get a decent amount of, of reps when he comes back. Uh, it depends on uh, if, he, if he's ever going to come back at this point. We're five games into the season. He's been dressed for the last two, but he hasn't played. Is he ever going to come back? I, I don't know. Are they going to, I don't even know if he has a redshirt year. If he does, maybe you, I, I don't know. That's, uh, uh, but that's, I think that's like way down the list of, of worries. I don't think the running back position is, you know, a, a major concern here. I, th- I think yeah, you're right. It might be the least concerning position on the team. So that's a great point. All right. Uh, diving in. Here's one from Steve in Berlin. Do you think any wide receiver recruits are being turned off by the passing game? I mean, you can look at it that way, certainly, or you can, the flip side of the coin is ample playing time. If you can run a good route and, and catch a pass, uh, what do you think? Is this going to hurt recruiting the way this offense looks? It's certainly not a good thing for recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly something that other coaches are going to point out. Like, Look at Michigan, you know, you come here, we're throwing the ball all over. Look at Maryland, you know, we're throwing the ball, scoring 30 points a game. I think it definitely hurts. Uh, all right, a couple more. Jeff Steer, 
Politi, my question popped into my head while reading your column this morning about the Giants. The Rutgers offense and the Giants offense compare and contrast. I love this. It is totally true. The easy comparison is they don't have the Giants don't have a single wide receiver who would play in another NFL team. I think that's that's become you know abundantly clear. At least they they didn't yesterday. Uh, if if Richie, um, what's his name, Pat Richie. Can't even think of his name. It's Richie James. Richie, Richie James. James. That's right. If he's your best receiver, you're you're in trouble. Uh, yeah, and they lost both their quarterbacks. Running a, you know, Saquon Barkley at the Wildcat. It is some. It is something that uh, what's going on there. Uh, offensive line. Offensive I, line. Yeah, it's. I mean, they have they have arguably the best talk tackle in football right now. If you believe the analytics, anchoring the left side of the offensive line, but certainly the right side has been a hot mess. They've got injuries. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of some, there are a lot of similarities there. And Pat, I think that's, that shows you like how did, how did the giants win that game with defense and turnovers, turnovers, great kicking game. Yeah. The little things, the little thing coaching. They out. Yeah. They out coached the bears yesterday. So there are, there are ways to overcome Pass rush five sacks. Yep. Absolutely. If only so, Rutgers could play the Bears every week. <laughs> That's the first email I got, of course, about that column trying to praise, trying to praise Brian Dable, who I mean, he's three and one, first coach Giants to go three and one since Tom Coughlin. I mean, he's off to a pretty good start. Again, he oh, played the Bears, tried to get to a real team. Like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Apologize. That's how I reply to my emails. Uh, all right. Do we got anything else we want to ask? Uh, okay, so Alex and Freehold from Freehold to really judge Shiano, I think we have to forget about Shiano 1.0. If Shiano was not here previously, how would you grade him in year three? I think the fan base is sometimes marred by his post past accomplishments. Interesting. All right, so third year, he wins three games in the first year after a team did absolutely nothing. I think we would be, uh, you know, as we were, very praiseworthy. Second year, I thought we all, I don't know, we all sort of agreed it was a it's not a big step, a step in the right direction. Year three, I don't, I don't know. What, what do you what do you think? I think we're seeing this now. Michigan State fans are are losing their you know what's because uh, how good the team played earlier. Now in year three, it's taking a step back. I mean, if there was no Shannon 1.0, how would we look at this? I think if you look record wise, Rutgers is right where they should be to take another step. They beat all the teams they should. They lost to the teams that you can understand. You know, understand why they lost to. If they beat Nebraska and Indiana. I really think the season record-wise is, again, another step. But the issue is, are they making progress in key positions at quarterback? Are they developing the offensive line? Are they creating young talent behind them? You know, on the defensive line, things of that nature. And I yeah. think that they're successful in some areas, as we've discussed copiously before. At quarterback, there's a lot of questions. So I don't know if there's a, a positive step there. Um, I do think it is a very fair point that he is anchored and marred, or however you want to say it, by the previous achievements, everything is compared to that last year. Right. He compared his, this year to 0405. Everyone thinks of it that way. Everyone assumes that 24 or 23 or whatever is going to be 2006 all over again. In a way, the ghosts of the past do impact the way we view this this right. program in a negative way. Yeah. And, and uh, don't you yeah. sorry? Yeah. Don't you think that Chiano deserves some credit for just at least bringing stability back in year three? Of right? course. Like, like of course. That, so 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 I think. We can't overlook that either. If you take out the first, if channel 1.0, at least the second stint, this has structure. Players are held, held accountable. Yes. It's, it's a real program again. I think that that can't get lost in the shuffle either. Not, it's not a steaming embarrassment. And I think that's, 
and we've already look we, we've already moved on from that observation i think that's part of why perhaps Fair. we're judging him harshly because we've just we've accepted the fact okay he's turned it into a respectable cause football program again he doesn't get enough credit for that you're absolutely you, you, alex is absolutely right that i mean that that that's you know that's an important part of it that yeah so Rutgers no, no longer has to be embarrassed by its football, even when you lose to that Ohio State. Well, so did Wisconsin. So, I mean, you know, you don't have to be embarrassed by the football program anymore. That's not the bar he's setting, though. Let's be clear. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't want he doesn't want a participation trophy either. So keep that in mind when, when you're doing that uh, comparison. But but it's a great point. All right. Well, here's the here's the final one. Uh, someone want to know about our breakfast, uh, uh Brian, so what was in your 4,000 calorie breakfast and did it slow you down during the day? So if you don't follow us on Twitter, I certainly understand. Uh, we had a little White Castle uh, breakfast. Um, first White Castle meal ever. Waffle House. Waffle House. Why I say White Castle? I'm sorry. Waffle House. Because you passed by that like corporate we, building looked like yeah, White Castle. Yes. Right. So White Castle's man. The first Waffle House breakfast. Um, what did you think? I'm giving you a review. Give the audience your review of the Waffle House, Waffle House experience. Right. Well, I, I always knew I'd get Waffle House for the first time in my life in SEC country, well-achieved Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it was great. Um, <laughs> I followed your lead as a Waffle House veteran. The guy who ate at every Waffle House in Augusta, Georgia, knows what he wants. Got the mm-hmm. all-star breakfast. The only variation I got was I got my uh, hash brown smother, yes. uh, which uh, to our loyal listener, Kevin Fine, that was his recommendation. I did it before he said it, but I did do it. Uh, I thought it was tremendous. I thought it was uh, a well-balanced breakfast. I, I, instead of, I don't think it slowed me down. I think it, it boosted me up. I thought it right. gave me the energy to get through that slog of a game. And uh, I would 10 out of 10. Well, actually, no, I, told you, I think I told you it was four stars. The only way it would have been five stars if it was two in the morning and we were absolutely sloshed, which... <laughs> and making a bad decision, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, well, it, but other than that, I thought uh, could not have gone more smoothly my first uh, Waffle House experience. And I'm glad I did it with you. Yeah, oh, that's that's just I'm so honored. It's, I feel like just mentor teaching teaching the young the young people of journalism important lessons. Pat, have you ever been to a, a Waffle House? Yeah, uh, yeah, Panama City Beach. Okay, break. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Bad decision. There was a bad decision. It was, okay, that's good to hear. All right, so uh, all right, so that's uh, that's a great uh, question. Thank you for all the questions. Anything else about the road trip? I mean, you had been to the shoe before, and I I make this point every time. And I actually, someone, uh, one of the texters was shooting, firing back at me when I said, look, if you cross this off the bucket list, go, go to Columbus. And he's like, why in the world would I spend whatever, how much money it costs to go to Columbus to watch the team get its butt kicked in front of 100,000 other people and be humiliated? I don't know. I mean, I I get that part of it, but it really is. I mean, the band, the, the, the shoe, the campus, again, the, all these places with 100,000 people in the stadium who don't have traffic issues coming out. It's just a, it's sort of remarkable. Uh, what did you think overall, Brian? This is my second time at the shoe. I agree with you. Maybe Rutgers fans should go watch an Ohio State game that Rutgers is not playing in to get the Ohio State experience without the, the embarrassment, as that texter put it. Uh, the first time I was at Ohio Stadium six years ago, I was there with the Targum, and I remember going on the field, and it was my first time in a 100,000-person stadium, and I just feel the energy of people walking in, and you hear the buzz. You're like, this is this is like legit college football. I felt kind of like – it felt like gladiators in the Coliseum kind of – might be a bit exaggerated, but I just felt this this energy that 
Uh, I, frankly, I didn't feel it this Saturday. I was a bit disappointed. Maybe I'm a bit jaded, but I just rem- I have that vivid memory in my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a tremendous stadium, awesome atmosphere. And I can only imagine it was it was electric on Saturday. I can only imagine when, uh, you know, a big time game is there, Ohio State, Michigan, it's 100,000 people. Like I can only imagine the energy in that place. So I yeah. uh, definitely recommend people uh, knock off their bucket list. And I'm looking forward to eventually going to the big house and comparing. The, the 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 band so the band comes out and does the script ohio it's a famous of course the band formation where they write out ohio dot the i it's a great scene and we notice we're watching it and we notice they're like i don't know in addition to the 40 french horns they have and and 25 tubas they're like 20 other guys in band uniforms just standing there watching this and so we had to ask jimmy gill the great Rutgers sports information director like what's what's with the extra what's with the extra band and sure, to his credit, because this is what a good, it's what a good SID does. He got the information, found out that they're just that's they're just extra. They've just got excess band. They've got more band than you need, so they were just not part of the backup program. band members. Backup, backup band. band. Can you backup. imagine? Dressed, dressed for the game, dressed but not participating, as they say. All right, Nebraska prediction. Uh, so Pat, as you this is so uh, you were not on the podcast last week, but. We're smart enough. I don't know. Smart's the right word, but correct enough to to lay the forty-one and a half points or take the forty-one and a half points. Uh, and you were the only one to get the get get the spread correct last week. So that means we're all back in a, a deadlock. We're all what are we all three and two? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I took the uh, Keith Sargent ghost of Keith Sargent approach on Iowa. And looked yeah. foolish, but you but you bounce back. You bounce back. You notice you thought that forty-one points would be too much. That even after faking. <laughs> and we were watching it as we as we were watching it in the press box when they faked the punt. I looked I looked at Brian and said, oh, maybe 41 points. Nope, but they did not score in that uh in that possession. So uh Nebraska, what is the current line, Fonseca? I believe it is Nebraska minus three. It's minus three now. Okay. Yes, open as a pick on dropped three points in the last 24 hours. Wow, minutes. what does that oh, tell you? Wow, yeah, that, well, that's interesting, right? That is, that is kind of interesting. Uh yeah. all right. Who wants to go first? Tell me what you, what do you got? You take yeah. it first, Fonseca. All right. This is obviously the biggest game of the season to this point for Rutgers. It's a must win. I said this. It's not a can't lose. It's a must win. Rutgers has to win this game to stay in bowl contention, to keep some life in this season, frankly, because if they lose this game, a lot of the air comes out of the balloon. I have to think that a lot of emphasis will be put on, the, will be put on this game. Uh, besides a short week, that's the only really issue I see for Rutgers. I see Nebraska riding a little too high after this win over Indiana. You had the AD coming into the locker room, giving the game ball to the interim coach, and everyone's feeling good. I think uh, their trip out east is going to be cold awakening, a rude awakening, I should say. Rutgers, I'll go. Well, Nebraska can't defend anybody, so I'll say Rutgers 38, Nebraska 31. 38. Holy cow. Okay. I like it. Pat? You picked. Uh, you picked this. You picked this as an upset. You're no longer an upset. That's, so you, right, I mean, that's right. And preseason expect the preseason predictions do not matter. So do not. You don't have to back off. It. We will not okay. judge you harshly. Except we will. Yeah. This was my preseason upset that Rutgers on this mm-hmm. raucous Friday night blackout would. Yep. Would would rock Nebraska and it would be the big downfall of Scott Frost. But of course, here we are. So I'm still shook up on the quarterbacks and and can't get past that this offense isn't going to score 38 the way it is playing right now. Uh, however, I still think there is a way for a Rutgers win, but it's going to have to come defensively. That said, <laughs> I'm flipping this one. And I'm not going to take the homer pick. Wow. I'm going to say Nebraska 
24, Rutgers 17. Wow. Okay. So I can't, I thought Nebraska win and covers. That's a big, okay. Big pick. All right. Good. Uh, Back off his preseason pick. All right. I, uh, I tend to lean toward you, Pat. And this is, uh, I I just, this, I come back to this a lot. I get it. Nebraska dumpster fire fires. Everyone. They just, they really do have a lot of talent in that roster. I mean, they really do. And I think we've seen from this Rutgers team right now that, that offensively and especially, uh, it's just still a program that that's trying to get to that point. And I, I you know, uh, the quarterback, the turnovers are, are bothering me. The penalties are concerning me. I, I guess there's a chance that Rutgers plays a clean game. I guess a chance you're right that, uh, that but it seems like things have stabilized with the Cornhuskers. So I'm going to pick them to win this one. I also I'm not a low scoring game, but, you know, 27, 21 game. So a, barely a cover on the three uh, points, but uh, but still a cover nonetheless. So. We'll see who's right. This one will decide our picks as well, not just the record season. Uh, all right. What else we got? This is Dave White's favorite part of the podcast. I don't want to let him down. Uh, other thoughts? Well, we got a, a dramatic men's soccer tie in Columbus, right? What? Uh, yeah, that's the uh, yeah. the one the one good thing about the strange college soccer format where they literally only play ninety minutes for some strange reason. Uh, there's two seconds left, and Tommy DeVito score. Not Tommy DeVito. I might be. Th- Confusing Illinois quarterback Tommy DeVito. Yeah, I'm confusing with actor Danny DeVito. <laughs> Thomas DeVizio, I believe his name is. I'm, and I'm gonna have to delete this part of the podcast. It's, no, you're not. You can't. You got the kid's name wrong. I'll, I'll look the kid's wrong. name up after and put it in the description okay. of the pod. But he scores the equalizer with two seconds left. Everyone goes nuts, which is my favorite part of soccer when people love a last second tie. Um, and uh, Rutgers, I think they remain unbeaten in the last six or something to that nice. effect. So um, we did not make the trip to that game, Steve. I did not know that that was the thing until afterward. Oh, but feigning I ignorance. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not sure I would have. It was kind of chill. I would probably just gotten dinner anyway. But yeah, okay. Uh, you want um, a, a $4 hot dog from the, uh, from the yeah. Ohio State soccer stadium mm-hmm. stands? That's halftime? tough. That's tough. Yeah, that's uh, not- nothing else that I can think of uh, Olympics wise. I'm going to drag it out a little bit for Dave. But I think uh, Purdue uh, volleyball. Rutgers Purdue. played them, mm-hmm. lost, got swept, but they hung, hung tough in all three okay. sets. Um, that's all I got for you. Oh wow! Oh, about the- golf, men's golf. Xavier, oh. <laughs> uh, he won. He won a, a tournament. He's the first Rutgers men's golfer to win a tournament since Chris Goderup, who since transferred to Oklahoma is now on the PGA Tour. So, do we have another former Scarlet Knight headed to the PGA Tour? I don't know, but he won a tournament last week. So nice. And uh, you, this is an opportunity to talk basketball recruiting. Or basketball. We got media day coming up. Basketball starting. Yes, we have hoops. Soon, uh, Big right? 10 media days next Over week. Here. Rutgers media day is next Friday. Yeah. Uh, lots of uh, exciting things happening. Rutgers practice started last week. Uh, I have not had a chance to check out practice. I've been busy covering the Rutgers football team, but we will see all of that soon. The, Antonio uh, Chole. Is that how you pronounce it? Chole. Antonio Chole, the last we, second edition. Yeah, it'd be like, we, that's that's the name that's buzzing, so. I hope we can get a, like they have skull at Vikings games. We get a chol. Yes. Yes. That would be, that would be great. My, my uh, Jude uh, uh, McAdamney uh, chant, the Hey Jude chant never really uh, picked up. So I don't really trust the Rutgers fan base to come up with clever uh, uh, jingles, but there is always hope. Um, Antonio Chol was uh, Jerry Carino of the Asbury Park Press was at practice on Friday. was very impressed with Antonio Chol. I trust Carino's judgment. Of course, I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. And uh, I guess we'll see where we go from here, but we're, uh, Less th- we're almost a month away from the season starting, so exciting times for the squeaky sneakers. All right, good stuff, gentlemen. Welcome back, Pat. Well, thanks for uh, everyone for listening. Congratulations to 
James Cratch married over the week. We want to make sure we did not forget to give a shout out to him. Um, thanks to uh, uh, Devco, to uh, Keith Norton for the introduction. And that's all we got. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.